All right, guys, joining us here on the show is a man that's about to break down if UFC 266 is a go. It looks like he hasn't attempted the self-fade yet, but he's here <laughs> to break down the news and let us know what is happening. Dan Hooker, welcome to Submission Radio, and let's get straight into it, man. You had the embassy meeting just hours ago. Fans are on the edge of their seat if they haven't seen social media yet, which I'm guessing a lot haven't that are listening to this interview right now. Give us the verdict. Is Dan Hooker going to be a UFC 266 this weekend? He is. Everything's uh, everything's in order. They got my they got my visa to me today, and my flight out of here is on Thursday. So everything everything on my end is is all set. You'll be seeing me at uh, UFC two six six. How do you feel, man? How do you feel about that news? Yeah, like that's the that's the easy part done, right? There's still the yeah. <laughs> there's still the main part. Like it's a little bit it's a little bit too early to to sit back and uh, have a couple beers and celebrate. There's still um there's still ninety nine percent of the work to go. This is just the this is just the getting there part. This is the easy part. The hard part the hard part's the fight the fight. So now it's now it's kind of um yeah lock in lock in and focus on that. Before we get into the whole preparation of it all, um, you've always you tweeted out the other day, "Hey guys, my visa. I'm having issues with my visa," and there was a crazy amount of support from the MMA community. I think there were a ton of retweets. People were gone on the Insta stories, hitting up the uh, the embassy over there in New Zealand. What did it feel like to you when you saw all the support from all all the community and everybody sort of jumping on board, trying to help get their attention for you? Well, that's it, like. All I went up to, all I've been through, like up until that point, like I signed this when I first signed this fight. I signed it Sunday, and then the Tuesday we went into like a a nationwide lockdown, and so just living at the gym, getting kicked out of there by the cops, like getting chased around, trying to make all my training work, um, and and I did all of that, you know, I I I didn't cut any corners. I I went out of my way to get prepared for this fight, and then the last second on Friday, then get to me um through like three weeks after i had submitted my uh my visa application and um for them to get back to me and say nah like it's not gonna go ahead i was just like i'm not gonna i'm not a man to die quietly you really <laughs> you really picked the wrong guy so i got on social media and i was just like let's let's make some noise. Like I I've done everything in my power. I possibly can. I need your guys backup. I need MMA Twitter. I need everyone's support to get behind me. And they did. Um, people just absolutely bombarded the New Zealand US consulate. Um, people did they like mention it when you did your meeting with it. Like, uh, oh. There's no way. Like there's no, there was absolutely no acknowledgement <laughs> that that was the reason why, but people were sending me screenshots of, um, like they're they're just going through the full thing. People have submitted full applications with the name being Dan, give Dan Hooker his visa. So it, <laughs> man, with without a shadow of a doubt, one hundred percent, everyone getting on their case got it. Because after I started hammering them, uh, I got it on the it was on the six o'clock news here in New Zealand. Um, just I get an email out of the blue saying, yeah, he's got an appointment Monday. And so 100%, everyone just absolutely hounding them and bombarding them. Um, 
force them to make it happen, and they did, which is, uh, man, it's that, that's pretty mind-blowing. Like, I'm sure after the fight, I'll take some time to go back and reflect on that. I think it's, like, a little bit too soon to let my mind kind of go into reflective mode at the moment, but so so appreciative they, they can get it done. So to repay that, I can't wait to get on get on the get on that plane and give everyone a show. So did the UFC do anything? Because normally when somebody has visa issues and they get handled quickly, you know, I just assume like Dana White's like, hey, it's Dana baby, get it done and then that's it. Or like someone <laughs> calls someone and then they're like, Oh, the UFC, all right, special exemption, something. But so was it that in any way? Or was it literally just that people bombarded the embassy and they were like, All right, we'll get it done. So the old guy, like the old guy is uh, Scott Brown. And th- this is for the Poirier fight. I was in the exact same situation where we went into like a full lockdown in New Zealand, which means even even the embassy is shut. So the embassy is like not doing appointments at the moment. So even the embassy is closed. I was in the same um, position like three, four weeks out from the Poirier fight. And I didn't have a, I didn't have a visa as well. Um, but yeah, because Trump was in, and then that Trump's guy, uh, Scott Brown, was here in New Zealand. Someone called someone who called someone. He called me. Uh, like, the ambassador, I get a call and I answered. Oh, Dan Hooker. Oh, it's a uh, US ambassador. And I was just like, whoa, what are you giving me a call for? Whoa. He's like, I heard you need a visa. I heard you need a visa coming tomorrow. I went, into th- I went in that day. The visa arrived on my house the next day. So I, I know how much power that guy has. I know that it can get done very quickly if you write, uh, know the right people. But obviously, since Trump's not there, uh, Scott's not the ambassador anymore. And so, like, they didn't have a guy here in New Zealand. They didn't have, they didn't have a contact. So they, we were going through it. Um, we were going through it just like anyone else would go through it. Uh, and and yeah, it was just like the people support. So the the UFC was kind of they were powerless as well to get the to kind of oil the wheels as wow. they as they usually would. But um, yeah, it was it was the people one hundred percent. It's funny you mentioned it at the start of this interview that all right, it's happening, but now I got to focus on the next bit, which is going to be a big process, and we'll get into that in a second. But can you take a moment to at least celebrate the fact that you've got this visa, or is this something that you're looking to do? after the fight is said and done and you can look back on this whole crazy journey that took place leading into it? Um, after, because the, the mind frame that I'm in now is like, I'm already locked on. I was never, um, it was never like in doubt in the whole thing. At no time in, since I've had this fight has there been any doubt, like a shred of doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to be prepared or I wasn't going to be ready. So like the the, to, to waste mental focus on, oh, man, I wonder if they're going to process it. I wonder if I should train my ass off this session. Like, you can't. That's just all wasted energy, you know. I had to stick to the things that I can control, use all my mental focus on the things that I can control. Um, so, no, I haven't. I haven't processed that thought too much. Like, that's something I'll do in reflection. Like, I've been locked on the fight this entire time and focused on the fight. But how did you not, how did it not enter your mind that like, I may not get the fight? Like, I, I understand being zoned in and focused and stuff, but like when, when the embassy is saying like, nah, you're not getting it. How is it that you kept, you know, the belief that like, it's just going to happen one way or another before you knew that, you know, 
fans are well, going to get. Well, like there's a there's there's uh like a balance of that. It's not like I um, it's not like I sat on my ass and then uh the the UFC or the embassy told the UFC we're not going to process this visa in time. They told me, and it's not like I just sat there and was like, ah, something's going to happen. My mm. fight's going to work itself. Like I'm I'm made it happen. I made it happen. The whole time, like it, it's, I get out of my way in the things that I can control. I can control. I can control something. I'm gonna do my very best to make it happen, and and that's what I did. So it's not that like I sat back on my couch and um, visualized something happening. No, I did go out and do everything in my power I could possibly could to make it happen. Mm visualizing getting the flight, visualizing getting the self-fade. You're, you're a visualizing man, Dan. But I was also going to say, so just to go back a second, also frame this whole story correctly, like what exactly was the issue when they contacted you and said, we're not going to give you the visa? Was it a case where like you got denied or was it just like, we're not going to do it in time? Or, or what was the problem? Just, yeah, we're, they weren't going to do it in time. So when, when so the... um. The embassy is actually shut. We're in like a level four lockdown in New Zealand. And lockdown in New Zealand is not like lockdown I see in a, a <laughs> lot of other places. Like lockdown in Australia is like level two. Mm. Like when it goes to like level four, everything shuts. Everything shuts. The, emb- the United States embassy shut. Like that's that's crazy to think. So they just weren't processing. Um, like the UFC used their weight. Um, I guess, and they, uh, like the embassy agreed for me to do it via post. Like they knew the deadline. They were like, his, his flight's on this date. He's got to get over for this reason. Um, and the embassy was like, yeah, sweet. Like post it in and we'll do our best. And then like the, yeah, two days before I was getting on a plane, they said, yeah, it's not going to be processed in time. It's just because no one's at their office. They, for this, Everyone harassing them. They must have. They must have opened the office. They must have sent someone down to open the door, to turn the computers on, and to get everything going. As I was saying, this is New Zealand, but whack your jandals on, stroll down and stroll down to the embassy, fire up the computer, print off me visa, send it back. I'll even pick it up, mate. Get it done. This is New Zealand. Get it done. Well, I love that it got done. And before we talk about actually taking this plane right over and the weight cut and everything like that, take us back to the actual camp. Because so the first time that we spoke to you, you were living <laughs> in the gym. Then we go, well, then we go to the New Zealand Herald, right? And the interview allegedly. with Dan Hooker uh, is, is all uh, over the New Zealand Herald. He's, he's hiding in the gym. The police is there. What's happening? Allegedly. Allegedly, some false claims were made against my name by, <laughs> by you. <laughs> hey, as as far as as far as I'm concerned, no no charges were laid because Dan Hogger was never caught doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't I can't attest to that those false accusations. Right, you bit of a chael sonnen. That's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. Sounds like a Hispanic guy. They're like showing you CCTV. Did that really really look like me? I don't even think that. I don't even think that was me. You were like, I thought you boys had something here, but that guy's clearly not me. That guy's clearly clearly not Dan Hooker. All right. So what? I had had, had my backup story and everything. I had the shopping bag. I had the shopping bag in my hand ready to go. I'm going to. (laughs) 
I was walking the four squares across the road. I parked my car there. I was walking to the four square. <laughs> Someone takes a picture and makes some accusations. I don't know what to tell you. <sighs> Photoshop. Okay, so what did camp actually look like? So you weren't allowed it. What, what were the rules? You weren't allowed in the gym. You couldn't train normally. Nah, nah, it wasn't allowed in the gym. So we, like, you got to stay in your bubble. So um, you got to stay in with the people that they give you till like a midnight since they announced the lockdown. And then wherever you are at midnight, you got to stay there. So Eugene puts a call out. You know, Dan's got his camp. Some of the other guys <coughs> got their camp. Like they need to get into the gym before midnight, which we all did. We were there for a couple of weeks. And then um, the police came through and they, I don't know what they called it, reinterpreted. They, they re, there was a reinterpretation of the rules mm-hmm. because it wasn't our, like, because it wasn't our usual residence. We had to, we had to disband the camp. And like Eugene, I'm sure he like could have, uh, fought it or something like that, but he wanted to do the right thing by, um, like New Zealand, he's very supportive of like New Zealand pursuing like the elimination strategy. So he, he disbanded it. The police didn't want it. We disbanded it. We moved off. Um, and then I was trying to get out of the country to train overseas. And obviously in the meantime, it's pretty difficult to just be like, Oh, I'll just sit and wait on the couch. So we were doing some, um, doing the best we could for the, for like that time. But the whole time I've been trying to get a visa, I've just been staying fit. Um, a lot of track work, a lot of running. I feel like I did like a lot of heavy sparring since I was first trying to get a fight, which is like May. So I've been training my ass off since May. So I've been um, in camp for like a really long time. So just for the last couple of weeks, but I'm running, staying fit and um, just working like the technical stuff, film breakdown, listening to my coaches. So it's just been like that uh, the last couple of weeks. I feel like the wanking comments on our last interview didn't help the whole police search. They're like, that's it. There's wanking going on. This is, this is cross the line. You know? This is it. Shutting this wank party down now. But, uh, I was going to say, have you ever had a camp that has compared to this one? And how would you compare this camp to all your previous ones? Like, has it been, would you say, what level of preparedness do you feel like you're at right now compared to some of the other ones, some of the better ones that you've had in the past? I feel prepared. That's why I'm pursuing this fight so hard. I'm, I feel like I'm like, that's why I'm fighting to get to this fight is, um, it's genuinely just because I want to showcase the improvements I've made or, or showcase my ability. I feel like previously, like in the past, like I would have done the exact same thing. I would have just gone out of my way, but it would have just been more like, oh, I'll fight, I'll fight anyone. I go out of my way to just prove like I'm a fighter, but I feel like the mentality shifted, and I'm going out of my way this time, purely because I feel like I'm the best, and I feel, um, I feel like I'm in a great place. So I, 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 I feel like I need to showcase that. I feel like I need to get out there and showcase it to the world. That's just, that's just how I feel. So I feel mentally and physically in great shape and prepared like these pandemic times have been difficult for the fighters down here um in new zealand and australia but you just gotta make it work sitting on your ass and uh complaining and bitching and moaning about 
all of these restrictions will will get you absolutely nowhere. You know, you can't go to the bank and and pay your mortgage with complaints. It mm. takes um, it takes cold hard cash, and and the only way a fighter makes money is from getting out there and fighting. So that's yeah, that's what I'm doing. Mm. Well, somewhere in between um, the wanking police raid and then all the, all the training and everything else that was going on, you put out a tweet onto social asking if anybody had a job going. I was wondering, man, what did you mean by that? Was was there something going on in your head there? Like, were you just mucking around? Were you, like, looking at potentially picking something up in the meantime because you thought things might not come that, together? That would, have been, that would have been when they said, um, so initially – when the UFC was like trying to apply for uh, the visa, initially they just came back and it was a flat no. The embassy just came back or the consulate came back and just said, nah, we're not processing visas at the moment. That's not going to happen. And then the UFC must have shifted a bit of weight then and there. And then they got me, uh, they they worked out the deal for me to um, send my visa in and, and us for us to do it via uh, like courier. So that was like, then it was like a bit of a. Cause that was after they announced it, wasn't it? That was after they announced the fight was happening, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that announcement's some. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of an Ally Quinta announcement. Nothing was in place. They're like, eh, let's just oh, add man, it to the card and just, see what happens. It's, it's just different times. Like really, it's just <laughs> different times. Like if you guys knew actually what goes on behind the scenes of most of the stuff, I just feel like I just share. I feel like most fighters um, go through this kind of stuff, but they just, I don't know, they just don't share. I feel like if I'm on this ride, it's a, you guys can be on the ride too. You know what I mean? Well, I got to go on this, I got to go on this emo- emotional roller coaster. I feel like everyone else can, uh, they can grab a seat too. Mm. I love it. I, th- I think everybody uh, enjoys being part of the ride and enjoys your candor. Um, so I guess, you know, you mentioned that like 99% of the hard stuff is still yet to come, right? You got the visa, which is normally a formality. Here it's been a, a, like a fight before the fight. So what is your schedule? I know I know, like, you know, people have uh, put it out, but what does your schedule look like now? I want to hear it from you because it's actually pretty crazy. What's the rest of your week look like now? And then what is the biggest challenge for you ahead? Other than the fight, ah, it's cruisy, it's cruisy. Sit around, sit around on Mars here in New Zealand for a couple of days. Uh, Thursday night, get on a plane. I arrive Thursday night. I'll probably get to the hotel about nine o'clock, about nine p.m. Um, weigh in nine a.m. and then fight the next day. That's uh, it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> so you're arriving in another country after how many hour flight? Um, a couple of hours. Oh, mate. So we're talking like 12 hours, hours and then include baggage and airport and travel, this and that. And then you're arriving and then 12 hours later after arriving in another country, you're weighing in, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like 20 hours, 20, 20 something hours travel time. I don't know why they're giving you so much uh, lead time, man. You, you know, you could have arrived hey, basically at the start of the car. Just run straight from the airport there. Hey, I would have done that too. If you think I wouldn't do that, you're off your head. So what does your weight cut look like? 
No trouble. No trouble. Got uh, got the fight dietitian on it. He tells me what to eat, what to drink, and then uh, step on a scale on weight. No worries. When when Is do it? you st- – sorry to cut into that, Dennis. When do you start? Where does the actual cut start? Are you going to be cutting on the plane? I don't even know how you would do that. <laughs> what am I going to get? Turn the plane in into the a slot and just sit there. Should I just have like a? I have. I have. I grab. I jump on the speaker on the plane and be like, "Look, guys, um, <laughs> we're gonna have to crank this thing up a little bit. Get a little bit of strength." <laughs> TJ Dillashaw was shadow boxing on a plane <laughs> and a conveyor belt and baggage ahead of the Hen and Burrell fight. I could totally see you in a sweatsuit running laps up and down the aisles while everybody's watching. You know, Jumanji two. No, like I, I have time. Like I have time. It's what nine p.m. till nine a.m. I have. I have twelve hours. I'm not. I'm not worried about that. That's um. That's not really a concern of mine. That. How how long is a is a typical cut for you? How how long is a Dan Hooker cut? Five minute job. Five minute job. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're looking into the wrong thing. I got. When have I ever? When have I ever stepped on a scale and it uh it not said the right number? True. I mean, this is in the. Th- so, it, if it's not the weight cut, is there any aspect of, of it that concerns you? I mean, is is there anything that you're specifically focused on here? Not sleeping past the alarm clock, so you actually get on the plane. Is that a concern? Oh, just someone wake me up for when. I'll just. I think that's um that's the only thing. Someone bang on my door at uh, nine in the morning and get me out of bed for to to make weight. I think that's. Once, if I do that, the rest of the plan is absolutely idiot-proof. That's how I feel. <laughs> wake me up for weigh-ins. Wake me up for the fight. Everything else is idiot-proof. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be like, yeah, you're just cutting weight in your sleep, then they bang on the door like uh, Goldberg heading to the, the arena <laughs> in, in WCW and you walk in, make weight, <laughs> and that's it. You know what's crazy though, right? Like you're not, obviously this is your battle, but like even your opponent, Nazareth, like his, his mum passed away like literally days oh, ago. I feel oh, like this, oh. if ever there was a fight that shouldn't happen or not shouldn't, but like, you know, couldn't happen, it's this one. And yet both of you guys are just soldiering on. What do you make of that? Oh man, that that's what um, like that's what I compare it to. That's uh, um, if I'm comparing my circumstances to Nasrat's circumstances, they pay. They, you can't even compare the two. They, my my situation pales in comparison to what Nasrat's going through. That's something I've never experienced. My mother's still um, happy and healthy, so that's not that's not a feeling I can even. Um, pretend to experience like what he's going through to show up to this fight is a thousand times worse than anything I could possibly be going through. So for me to like then withdraw from the fight after he's made this commitment to the fight, that would be terrible. And that really, that really wouldn't sit right with me. Um, if, if I couldn't make the fight and, and yet he's still making the sacrifice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's why I just sent I send my condolences to him, and I still do because he's he's the one pushing through that all the all the tough stuff. He's the one um, persevering in this fight 
comparing my situation to his is, is just silliness. Yeah, it's just going to be two warriors battling it out and fans cannot wait. I'm also wondering, man, you mentioned how the future for Dan Hooker might uh, lie over in the US because of all these crazy rules and regulations with New Zealand. How serious are you about actually moving over to uh, America and actually training there full time so you can get more frequent fights? Oh, man, that's got to be that's got to be. Um... I think that's like that's got to be done. I think that's that's got to be the next step. Um, so they changed like the MIQs, like the quarantine booking a quarantine room here in New Zealand. They changed the system this morning. I think they had something like twenty six thousand people sign up for three thousand spots. I believe twenty people from City Kickboxing entered the lottery. So it's like a lottery system. Twenty six thousand people go in the pool. And they pull. They pulled three thousand of them out for like in in different order, and they can select their dates. Jeez. Um, not not one of the twenty city kickboxing coaches and and fighters, not a single one got a spot in quarantine from for the rest of the year. Jeez. So for us to do that, like that, what are we gonna do? You miss you miss the lottery pool four times, and then that's a year gone. Mm. You 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 can't play the lottery four times, and if you lose it all four times, you just don't earn a paycheck that entire year. Like that's absolute, it's absolutely ridiculous. So it looks like we're gonna have to do it. Um, it'll be awesome if we could do it as a team. I know a couple of the guys have spoken about it um, individually, but if that kind of move could be made as a team, that would be um, that would be incredible. Whoa. So I guess the question is, where, where would you train? Would you have to look at like gyms and kind of shop around? How'd that work? Oh man, I got no idea. That's, uh, that's above my paycheck. That's above my pay grade. That's, that, that's the Eugene and the coaches. And, so and they would, they would like decide that. for you. Oh, where we're going. Like I've already, they already know I'm, um, I've put my hand up and I'll be one of the guys that that's, um, Definitely, definitely willing to make the trip over or make the make the um, jump over to the US. But yeah, it's 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 up to them where we end up. So it would almost be like a mini city kickboxing in America, like a couple of the coaches and a few of the fighters. But you guys still sort of carry on city kickboxing over there, or would it be going to another gym and sort of joining up there? Oh, like head and shoulders. It'll be like a good amount of guys that are willing to make the sacrifice and willing to um, to make the move going over there and, and coaches and, and us setting up shop um, in the US, so us moving our team over to the States. That would be like head and shoulders, um, the best choice or best decision. So then, A, how long would this be for? Because I think the MIQ system lasts for what, like, two to three years there's another two or three left and then also what happens like with your family and your home like would would the family move with you and you guys like actually live there or how would that work have you told the missus yet that you guys are moving <laughs> this is just going to be a surprise one day let's go to the shop a surprise eh? just surprise um I've, i really haven't put like too much thought into it uh more more focus on this fight i'm sure once i get this fight out of the way and i'm sitting in quarantine for um, two weeks. I'll have plenty of time to to kind of hash things out and have a think. 
Yeah, that's right. You'll be sitting in quarantine, enjoying your time, waking up late, eating cereal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But if you're going to do that, don't be eating that crappy store-bought cereal that admittedly does taste delicious, but is full of nasty things and, my God, tons and tons of sugar. So you're going to be like 600 pounds. You're going to look like Chuck Norris at the end of Dodgeball. Uh, That's where Magic Spoon comes in with its sugar-free cereal. It is the high-protein, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, wheat-free, naturally-flavored, totally delicious childlike cereal for grown-ups. I don't do keto anymore, personally. I'm, I'm all about the calories, but I wish I knew about Magic Spoon when I was on keto and I was trying to avoid carbs like crazy. Stuff like that was what I dreamed about. Delicious cereal that tasted like all the delicious cereals from my childhood without all the ridiculous calories and ridiculous sugar. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, man. I mean, speaking of carbs and calories, only 140 calories, only four net grams of carbs in each serving. You get zero sugar, 14 grams of protein. And by the way, it tastes absolutely delicious. So click the link below and grab yourself a variety pack. Try it today. Use the promo code submission to check out. Get five bones off, $5 off today. Or go to magicspoon.com forward slash submission now and change your life forever. That's right. Why are you changing your life? Uh, your life will never be the same or never better than with the smoothest balls in town. With Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0, the best grooming tool on the market, nothing else compares. They've got the Performance Package 4.0, where you get the Lawnmower 4.0 uh, trimmer, you get the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is something that I wanted all my life, and now finally I have it, so life is complete. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant that you put on at the start of the day, the Crop Reviver Toner, which is like a mid-game check. Maybe you're out on a date and you're like, you know what, I want to freshen up. You use that. And then you top it all off with a performance box of briefs and a travel bag to hold all of that together. It really is the perfect package for when you would want to <clears throat> when you want to become the ultimate man. And of course, they sponsor the UFC. So they're in the fight business. They're good company and they sponsor Submission Radio. So nothing but love for Manscaped. Isn't that right, Dennis? Yeah, that's right, man. The perfect package to get your package perfect. And be a smooth criminal today with the code word submission. You get 20% off and free shipping now. 20% off and free shipping now with the code word submission. But Dan, just quickly, we appreciate the time and we'll let you go in just a sec. Your best mate, Armin, he came off a win just the other week and he spoke a bit about you in the post-fight press conference. Um, Basically, your Tony Ferguson is who he wants next. And uh, he also said, he speaks a lot of bad words to me. I want to kill this guy. Do you have any sort of reaction to him being so set on fighting you next? Oh, I think it's funny that the bloke's got absolutely no banter. What I can't even remember what I said to him. I said I made I made a joke about like missing weight, and then he comes out and says he wants to kill me. I was just like, <laughs> they don't they don't have they, don't, they mustn't have very good banter in Armenia. I, I think, think calling him shit for brains was probably the one that did it. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take that back. The guy's shit for brains. How? <laughs> How do you, of course, I'm a chef of Reigns that says he wants to kill me. We'll see. We'll see. Come on, Armin. You think I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit here and let you kill me? <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Cormier always like, yes, thanks for the shout out. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get off this, but I know he said it is personal. Is it personal for you at all? Mate, how much time I spend thinking about that bloke is not at all. Not at all. The only time I process any thought about that bloke is when you guys ask me questions about him. Besides that, 
I could not care less about him. I do not, I do not uh, give an ounce of mental thought towards that man or what he's doing. I'm focused on me. He, he should be focused on him. Well, I'll tell you, man, it's uh, right now. Let's focus on this fight because fans are super excited. You'll see 266. You're actually going to be on the card. Just quickly, as we also as we wrap up, I guess like Eugene Berman's not going over there, but you've got Alex, Okano- Alex Okanovsky and obviously the team down there. I was going to ask you if you're going to do much training with those guys, but I guess you'll just kind of see them on the way to the octagon as you <laughs> arrive on the plane and give them a quick high. <laughs> I'll see him. Yeah, I'll see him at Wayans. Now you just coming. You just coming with me oh, on coming. on on Thursday. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. So who's in the corner? Huge Lopez and uh, Huge Lopez and uh, Frank Frank Hickman. Right. Awesome. All right. Sorry, Cassie. Go. No, I was, I was going to say solid. I was going to say solid. And just as we as we let you go, I wanted to ask you where does this rank in terms of like craziest. I guess, preparations and things that have happened in your career. I know that, you know, I know you said you were sort of always focused on it, but like from the outside, this seems like just crazy um, circumstances. Just, you know, the way you're flying in last minute, cutting, I know you're cutting weight on the plane. You say you're not cutting weight on the plane. You're cutting weight on the plane. <laughs> well, where, where, how does this compare for you? Not even close. Not even close. You're not faced. So damn it. Mate, this is... Honestly, this is uh, this is like small potatoes. The Dan Hooker book is gonna be is gonna be one heck of a read, but it ain't it ain't coming out anytime soon. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it ain't coming out. Uh, it ain't coming out for another couple of decades. Well, he's got a little bit of weight to cut, but he's not gonna cut those gorgeous locks of his. Look at him go, <laughs> avoiding the self fade. But he made it onto the plane. UFC 266. Dan Hooker is on, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot wait. Follow the man at Dan the Hangman on Twitter and Dan Hangman on IG to follow his journey. Dan, thank you so much, man, for joining us. No trouble, lads. Appreciate the support.